we typically, when we're trying to describe something to someone, something that we've eaten or something that we've experienced, we try to describe it to them using an example that is something that that person will be familiar with. Uh, maybe the, the most common one is chicken. For example, someone might say to you, that rattlesnake tastes just like chicken. Well, maybe it does. I don't know. I've never eaten rattlesnake myself. I, I wouldn't have any idea. But, but at least, you know, I know what chicken is. I know how that tastes. I know what that's like to eat. So that gives me some understanding of what they're talking about. Whereas I would not understand if somebody told me, well, that rattlesnake tastes just like armadillo. Well, I'd be out of the cold on, on that one. And I'd be wondering who in the world eats both rattlesnake and armadillo. In the Hebrew world, both in the Old Testament times and in the New Testament day, spiritual concepts were often compared to an example that everyone would understand in that culture, in that environment. They were compared to the example of Abraham. Abraham was a central figure in the life of Israel, not only historically, but he also was an example of what it meant to follow God. And often in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament, you will hear Abraham being given as an example of very important spiritual concepts. And Paul does this on several occasions. He does it in the passage that we're going to read this morning as he describes something that is imperative, not only for Abraham, but for all of us to understand that the only way to true righteousness is through faith in Jesus Christ. That is true for everyone. This was the crux of the problem for the Galatians. There was a, a false teaching. We've been talking about this as we've been looking through this letter for the last couple of weeks. A, a false teaching that was circulating through the, the area that carried the idea that a relationship with God, being right with God, was both through accepting Christ as Savior and through following a list of religious laws. And one of the things that that requirement was, was being held to uh, was that for a Gentile, someone who was outside the Jewish family, outside the Jewish ancestry, for someone who was a Gentile to come into a right relationship with God, to have real salvation, they not only had to follow Christ, they also had to become a Hebrew. They had to follow all the Hebrew customs and regulations and laws. Paul immediately saw the problem to that kind of thinking. And so he goes to the prime example of being a righteous Hebrew, Abraham. If anyone could have made themselves righteous through following the Hebrew laws and regulations, it would have been Abraham, the father of Israel. And Paul notes that the Old Testament scriptures don't put it that way. Verse 6, Paul writes, Consider Abraham. He... Believed 
God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, Paul's not making this up. He's quoting from a verse in Genesis. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. A verse that would have been very familiar to every person from a Hebrew background in the New Testament culture. This would have been similar to John 3.16 for them. Everybody would have memorized this verse as a child. Everyone would know this passage of Scripture. So what Paul is describing to them is something that's very, very familiar. He uses this very same passage in Romans his letter to the Roman believers, chapter 4, verse 3. And for the very same reason, Paul understood how important it is for us to understand this truth. If Abraham is saved by faith, then that will be true for anyone. There was no one in Jewish history who was a better example of what you are supposed to be as a Hebrew than Abraham. And, and no doubt the false teachers that Paul is trying to combat against, they no doubt had used Abraham as an example of someone who followed all of the religious laws and regulations. Paul turns that around and he uses Abraham as an example of faith. He goes right to the point. He says, if Abraham is saved by faith, then so are we. Verse 7, understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. Now, Paul here steps on some toes. He, he, he wades into some, some very turbulent waters with that statement. Because being a child of Abraham was absolutely essential to the Hebrew people. It, it was how they described themselves, both in their ancestry, both in understanding their, their history, but even more important for them, this was the way they described themselves in their relationship to God. That they were right with God because they were a child of Abraham. Paul was very, very clear. First of all, he says, okay, let's take a good look at Abraham. How did he get right with God? Was it because he was a good Hebrew? Was it because he followed the, the laws and the regulations? And so Paul turns to the scriptures with which the Hebrew people would have been very, very familiar. And he says, look, that's not what it says. Abraham was made right with God by his faith, by what he believed. If Abraham could not make himself right with God through following the laws and the regulations, then neither can we. And then Paul takes it one step further. He says, this isn't just true for us. As he's speaking to his own people, Paul comes from a, a Jewish background. That's who he is. But he says, oh, this isn't just true for us. It's true for the Gentiles also. Verse 8, the scripture foresaw that God, 
would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, uh, Paul is, is being very specific here. He is using something that will speak to the people to whom he's writing. He quotes directly from their scripture, the Old Testament scriptures as, as we know them. He uses another passage that would have, again, been very, very familiar to the people of his day. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, that all nations would be blessed through Abraham. And and verse 9 makes a definitive statement that all who have faith in Christ are blessed just As Abraham was blessed. In our day, that's a good statement. We we think that's a powerful statement, and it certainly is. But we need to understand how radical that statement was for Paul's day. To say that it is the same For everyone, that all come to a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, Jew and Gentile alike. That was a radical statement in Paul's day. But Paul knew how essential it was to understand. That there was no way to a right relationship with God except through a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. There was no other way for anyone. There are some things that are different depending on who you are. Some people can walk into a fancy restaurant without a reservation and because of who they are, because either they're wealthy or they're well-known in the community or they're popular or whatever it might be, they will immediately be seated, even if they don't have a reservation, even if the restaurant has been solidly booked for weeks. Because of who they are, they will make room for them. If I walk into a fancy restaurant, there's no guarantee I'll be seated, even if I have a reservation. But whether it's a fancy restaurant or not, everybody has to eat. You can't survive without it. Everybody has to breathe. Everybody has to have water. Everyone has to sleep. There are some things that are different depending on who you are, but there are some things that are absolutely the same for everyone. Paul says we need to understand that salvation is not one of those things that's different depending on who you are. It is one of those things that is the same for everyone. Everyone is saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Now for us in this room this morning, that's not all that earth shattering. 
you know, we, we, we come from, a, uh, most of us from a, a Baptist background. You know, we've been learning this since primaries, since, you know, they've been, been telling us all that. So this is not something for us that, it, that is just all that, that different. But this would have been earth-shakingly different in Paul's day. It was for Paul, who just a few years before he wrote these words, would have argued something very different. While he was a Pharisee, he would have never agreed that anyone from any nation could share in the blessings of Abraham, that anyone from any nation could be a child of Abraham. It would have been unheard of. It would have been heretical for him to have said something like that as a Pharisee. But then Paul met Jesus. And he discovered how woefully short all of his attempts at righteousness fell from a holy, righteous God. Paul came to understand how desperately he needed the grace of Jesus Christ and how desperately everyone needs the grace of Jesus Christ. Which brings up a question. Why is righteousness all of that big of a deal? Now, we're going to take a closer look at this in the passage that we'll look at next week. But Paul identifies a problem that hits home for us today in the culture in which we live. What he's just been talking about, those of us that have grown up in a Christian background, you know, we, we've heard about the grace of Christ. We've heard that, that's, that's pretty familiar to us. We get it. Now, the truth is, a lot of people that you know don't get this. And that's something we need to understand, that, that even in our culture today, The vast majority of people in Springfield this morning, they believe the way you get into heaven is you be good enough. And and they have different ways they will define what good enough is, but that's what they believe. So so even that first part that we just talked about, as familiar as it is for us here at Nationalized Baptist Church this morning, that we are saved, everyone is saved by faith in Jesus Christ. As familiar as, as that part is... The next part is something that that really hits home in in our culture. Why is righteousness all that big of a deal? Well, Paul identifies the problem in verse 10, and again, we'll look more closely at this in the passage that follows this a little bit later. But, But we want to understand this this morning. Here's what he says in verse 10. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written. Again, he he refers back to the Old Testament. He says, guys, I'm not making this up. (laughs) I just pull this out of the air. This is what the Scripture says. And then he quotes yet another passage of Scripture. uh, Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26. That would have been very, very familiar to all the people he's writing to. Here's what he says. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything. Written in the book of the law. Okay, you trying to work your way into heaven? Well, there's one big problem. 
We aren't saved by the law. We are cursed by the law. Again, Paul's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26 verse would have been very, very familiar to anyone from a Hebrew background that's reading the words that he's reading, which most of the people that he's writing to were. And they would have understood this. Anyone who breaks the law at any point has a big problem. And Paul describes that problem in no uncertain terms. He says, you are under the curse of the law. And the curse is very, very simple. The law for us is a curse because we can't keep it. We fall woefully short. Paul did in all of his work, in all of his trying, in all of his striving as a Pharisee to be exactly the person that the law required. Paul looked back and said, oops, I didn't do that. Oops, I forgot to do it. Oops, I didn't quite live up. Oh, wow. I wasn't even close. And then Paul looks at Abraham. The pinnacle of following the law. The absolute hero of following the law. And even Abraham fell short. Even the false teachers of Paul's day understood the problem. It's why... In their false teaching, they were requiring the Gentiles to first follow all of the Jewish laws before they could have an opportunity to receive Christ. Because they argued that anybody who doesn't follow the the scriptural laws, they can't be right with God. And Paul would have agreed with that. But the problem is, None of us keep the law perfectly. None of us. But again, it's not just Paul. He says, guys, this is just what I'm saying. This is what the Scripture says. In his letter to the Romans, chapter 3, verse 10, Paul quotes from yet another familiar passage, Psalms 14, when he says in in verse 10 of Romans chapter 3, As it is written, there is no one righteous not Even one. That's why righteousness matters. We cannot stand before a perfectly, holy, completely righteous God if we're not. And we are not. Even Abraham isn't. Not even one. (laughs) It's not like the sign at the amusement park. You remember these signs, you know, they have the little ruler or yardstick or whatever it is that's there saying, and a big red line that says, if you are not this tall, you may not ride this ride. 
You remember what it was like being a kid and you're all fired up about going to the music park and mom and dad take you there and you've been waiting to ride that roller coaster. You get up there and you wait in line all the way through. You get up to the front and you're not quite there. And you think, well, if I stand on my tippy toes, I can get up to it. You can't quite get there. And mom and dad, they look at you and say, oh, it's okay. You'll be tall enough next year. That's not the way it is with salvation. It's not that somehow we can grow enough to finally get there. And and we know that right now we're not quite there, but, but here in a little while, if we just do enough, we can get there. See, that's what every other religion in the world, save for what Jesus says, that's what they say. You're not quite there. But if you just do this, if you just follow all these laws, if you just take these steps in your life, then you'll get there. We know you're not there yet, but but you can do it. Just just keep trying. No. This is, if you can jump and touch the sun, you'll get there. Well, number one, there's nobody that is going to be able to jump high enough to touch the sun. And by the way, if you could do that, you would be burned to a crisp in a moment. So even if you could do it, it would be impossible. That's what Paul is describing about salvation. It's why he would take time to write to the Galatians about this false teaching that was was going through their area. And folks... That false teaching is going through our area, too. There, there are religious organizations that teach it. There are false religions and cults that teach it. That's exactly what they teach. That, that if you'll just do this, you'll be made right with God. And then there are just people who have no religion but think, I'll be okay on the day that I die because I've done enough good stuff. So, folks, this isn't just a Bible problem. This is our problem. This is a problem for today. It's a problem for your neighbors and your friends. And maybe, maybe it's a problem for somebody right here today. Because it's easy to fall into that. And and you wouldn't put it this way, and people wouldn't put it this way. You wouldn't say, well, I don't need Jesus because I can be good enough. But that's exactly what thinking you can make yourself right with God Yes, it's saying, I don't need Jesus. Folks, if we get this wrong, we miss everything. It is where the message of Christ diverges from every other religious teaching. Every other religion teaches you do this. Jesus says, come to me. I've already done it. Every other religion says, live up to this standard and you'll be okay. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Paul knew that the false teachers were proclaiming a path that not only was not true, it simply wouldn't work. No one, Jew or Gentile, could make themselves right with God. It was only by faith in Christ that anyone could be saved. It's the same for everybody. This is a variation on, on one of the what's your one we, we did a, a little while back. So, so you'll think I'm repeating myself, and I almost am, but it's a little bit different. Here's what it is. For your what's your one. Everybody you meet this week, every person, bar none, there, there will be no one you can come into contact with this week. That this is not true for. Everyone you meet this week needs Jesus. Everyone. You don't have to look for somebody to share your faith with. Everybody needs Jesus. You don't have to look for somebody and wonder, I wonder if they need to hear my testimony or not. Everyone needs Jesus. You'd have to look for anybody and wonder, well, I wonder if they need to be involved in a church somewhere. Everyone <laughs> needs Jesus. You'd have to look for, I wonder if somebody, I wonder if they really need a Bible or not. Everyone you meet needs Jesus. So what are you going to do about it? Heavenly Father, help us to understand what what the Bible is telling us this morning. That there are all kinds of ways we could spend our time. But everyone needs Jesus. Help us to understand that, Heavenly Father, and to live in that truth. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.